You know, folks, there is a correlation between being pleasing and being blessed. Correct? Men, if you please your wife, you will be blessed. If she's normal and sane. I mean, really, really. Women works both ways. Please him, and he will, if he's normal and sane, he will bless you. Correct? If we could get our kids to understand, pleasing the parent is an intelligent decision, isn't it? You older people, pleasing your kids is, a, uh, is an important decision. It's the key to being blessed. It, it works. I mean, what, how does it benefit you to be into it with your boss all the time? How about zero, none, nada? To please the boss is, is if the boss is normal and healthy, it's going to bless you. We're in Hebrews 11. We're going to talk about pleasing God and then thus being blessed by God. We started a sermon series last week in this chapter. It's the great faith chapter. We're going to look at two people tonight that really uh, don't get a lot of play in the Bible at all, but yet they're the beginning of the Bible, story in Genesis. And in Hebrews 11, when God rolls out these great people that pleased him and that he blessed, these two get the first play We titled this sermon series, The Lens That Changes Everything, because if you see life through the faith lens, if you live life, and that faith is meant to be lived out through the faith lens, it does change everything. Let's do a real quick review tonight. What is faith? We looked at this last week, but it's important, obviously, to our our subject matter. Verse 11, excuse me, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. The same biblical word for faith, uh, a lot of times in the New Testament, will be belief or trust. In verses 1, 3, 4, and 5, it's the same word. Here's what, if you're taking notes, and this is important because faith is, it's a very simple thing, but it's, it's also a deep thing. It's not complex, but it's profound. Faith is pers- being persuaded. It's giving credence to something. It's a belief, but a belief with conviction. It's a trust that's followed up by assurance and by action. It's believing something in your mind, trusting it in your heart, and it shapes your life. Did you hear that? Faith, biblically, is believing something with your mind. It's trusting it in your heart, and it's living it out with your life. Oftentimes, in this word we're going to see tonight even, how it's played out, it's talking about being faithful Hey, a lot of us this evening, again, I think sometimes as Christians, we, we, well, I place my faith in Christ, that we live by faith. We live by faith. And, and a lot of what we're going to see in this chapter in the days ahead, we're people who believe God for big things, but also we're faithful and, and faithfulness. Uh, a real quick summary, salvation is gained by what? Baptism at the Baptist church. No. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ means I believe the facts about Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he died and arose. But it moves from my head to my heart that that I say to Jesus, Jesus, I believe this, and I believe your claims on me. So in in, in faith is wrapped up, everything I'm going to say is wrapped up in faith. Therefore, I trust you, I believe this, I repent, and I surrender my life to you. Faith in Christ that saves you starts here, and it moves in and out of you, doesn't it? As a Christian, we're called to live by what? By faith. Our memory verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by 
Faith, not by sight. We walk, what, is, what does that word faith mean? It means we walk by trusting God, by consistency, by faithfulness, by believing Him. If we're going to pray and see God, think, God do big things, if we're going to live in the miraculous, we live a life of faith where we trust God and we believe that God can do great things and that God will do great things. See, the word faith is, is, is something a child can get and accept, but it's deep, isn't it? It really is. That's what faith is. Now, let's move to the second part, the heart of the message tonight. Living by faith is the pleasing and blessed life. When we decide we're going to live by faith and everything that it means, we live a life that's pleasing to God and in return will be blessed. Folks, here's something I hear a lot of Christians grapple with. I hear a lot of ministers grapple with. Is my life pleasing to God? Is my ministry, my service, is it pleasing to God? I think it's spelled out how we please God here. It it may not be exactly how the world would think we do or how even a lot of times ministers judge themselves, but this is how God says we do. Verse 2, it says, for by it the people of old by faith, received their commendation. Now, the people of old was not the senior citizens. That's not what it's talking about there. He's talking about the saints that had gone before them, is what what he means by the people of old. Could have been senior citizens, past religious leaders. He's talking about the people receiving commendation, certainly from others, but ultimately from God. How many of you want God to look at your life and to to praise you for how you're doing? Isn't that, isn't that uh, man, isn't that what you want? I, I hope that's what you want. They received their commendation. The word commendation in your Bibles means a good report, well reported, to utter an honorable testimony. We think about someone uh, getting a commendation. We think I'm being bragged on or, or putting on a pedestal. Or sometimes we say accommodation isn't a reward, isn't it? It's a award or a reward for their bravery or their faithfulness. Here's what he's saying. God commended, God speaks well of, God honors the people who live the life of faith. Is that not wonderful? Again, if this is what you want, and I believe it is, it's certainly what I want, I want to know that my life is honoring God. I want to stand before God someday and God say, your life honored me. Don't you want God in heaven looking at you and looking at the people around and saying, this person's life, I want to honor them because of how they live. That's what this is talking about. So let's look at three ways. How do we live by faith? that's laid out just in these first five verses of this chapter. Number one, we accept what we can't understand. Could this be hard in Ruston? Could this be hard in Ruston? Yes, because we are smart, right? We are well-educated, right? Some of us aren't as smart as we think we are. That's a problem. (laughs) When you out... Think your smartness, if that's even a concept. Look in verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. Do you believe God created it all? Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, 
Frogs begin to evolve into humans. And women came from ants and men came from lions. That's in the Hebrew. Y'all can't read that. I can as a skilled preacher. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By the way, that word create there means to create from nothing. How many of you believe that? I, I buy into it. You know what? I can't prove it. Can I tell you something? You can't prove it either. But I believe it with all my heart. I, and I tell you, here's something that's really cool. Every good advance, and by the way, science and, and, and the Bible never contradict each other. True science doesn't. The Bible is not primarily a science book, but when it speaks about science, it's, it's 100% accurate. But science and the Bible don't contradict each other. And the more advances we have in science, to me, it's getting easier and easier and easier. The, the leap of faith to believe in creation becomes smaller and smaller. But you still have to. Years ago, a friend of mine in Texas uh, who I guess he still may be, is an atheist. He would come to church occasionally. Obviously, I wasn't making much of a dent into his intellect. One time we were talking about creation, and I just asked him, I said, look at all this. Do you really believe that this just happened? I mean, that from a, one atom, you've got a frog, you've got a woman, you've got a turtle, you've got an elephant, you've got you and me. He had a Ph.D., brilliant. He said, that's why they call it chance. Not Chance Patterson, but chance as in, it's just chance. I said, what are you talking He said, it's just chance. That's why it's called just chance. I want to tell you, I think it takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe in that God created it. But let, me, let me share with you a couple of things real quick that I think that are, are interesting, that I think you'll like. This was in Discovery Magazine in 2016. One of the scientists in this article said that he believes there are around 700 quintillion planets in the universe. 700 quintillions. Now, you're smart, but you don't have a clue what a quintillion is. By the way, it is seven followed by 20 zeros. And the best that he can see is that we are the only planet, out, we are one out of 700 quintillion planets that can do what we do here on this earth. Boy, that's a freak accident, isn't it? And here's another thing. Talking about the miraculous of our world, our planet earth is spinning around at its axis at a speed of 1,000 miles per hour. That'll make you dizzy, won't it, just thinking about it. Every 24 hours, planet Earth pulls off a celestial 360. Do you know that? We're also hurling through space at an average velocity of 67,108 miles per hour. By the way, that's not just faster than a speeding bullet. It's 87 times faster than the speed of sound. So on a day when you feel like you haven't done much, don't forget that you did travel 1,599,793 mile, miles through space. And to top that off, the Milky Way, which we live in, is spinning like a galactic pinwheel at the dizzying rate of 483,000 miles an hour, and yet we're all maintaining life. You know, you've got to have bigger faith to believe that's an accident than to believe there's a God, in my opinion. But God says this, you can't prove it. And you can sit down with a lot of brilliant people, and they're not going to buy into what I just said. That's, just, that's why they call it chance. That's why they call it an accident. 
But God says this, the people who please me are the ones that, he starts with creation, are willing just to accept, and we don't get into how God did a lot of things. It just says God created it. God spoke it, and it happened. I don't have to know the details. I just know who the creator is. It's God. God says, well, you want to please me? Will you trust me with things you can't figure out? Will you accept by faith that I'm in charge and that at the end you'll understand by and by like the old song said? You, you and I can't please God unless we come to a point with things like creation, but the thousand things you're dealing with in your life that you're willing to say, God, I accept by faith. I trust you. But folks, that's serious because he says you cannot please me unless you're willing to trust me. Do you trust God? Faith and faith that pleases God accepts what we can't understand. Here's the second thing. Our prayers and offerings and service are acceptable to God when we live this life of faith. When we live a life of faith, by the way, a lot of you like to pray, so pay attention. (laughs) Our prayers, our service, our offerings are acceptable by God, to God, when we are living a life of faith. Faith. Look in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Genesis chapter 4 is the story. We're going to look at that real quick. Genesis 4, 3 through 8. In the course of time, Cain brought to the land an offering. This Cain and Abel, the brothers, of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. That may be the key. And of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you will do well, if you'll do what's right, you will be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must and you can rule over it. I'll just paraphrase the rest of it. Cain blew God off like you and I do. And he goes and kills his brother. He hides his body. And then God comes looking for him. And Cain's saying, whoa, my brother's keeper. And by the way, short of the story, yes, he was. And God called him out The question of the age is, why did God accept Abel's offering and not Cain? Here's some theories. Some people would say, well, Abel offered animal, a blood sacrifice, and Cain offered the fruit of the land. Here's the problem with that, is is you and I are reading into that something that wasn't stated at that point. They had no reference point of Scripture telling them that the, the blood sacrifice was, was more significant than the grain sacrifice. We have the, that, that's just not stated. I, I've literally heard a person say, well, it was a random choice. God just chose Abel, and he, and he rejected Cain. Uh, don't read into the Scriptures what they don't say. It says, by faith, God accepted, accepted Abel's sacrifice. What does that mean? I think it means this. Because Abel trusted Christ, trusted God. He was committed to God. His heart belonged to God. 
You notice it said he gave the first portions of his flock and, and the best of his flock to God. doesn't say that about Cain. It also tells us later in the Bible some creepy things. And, and uh, well, one Proverbs 21, 27 is a verse that's important. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? And then you go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. And it says about Cain, we should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Here's what I can put together with this. Remember faith. Faith means that your heart's right with Christ. It means you're trusting him. Is it possible that when Abel brought his offering, it was big. It was a sacrifice. It came from a pure heart and an honest heart. I think so. Was Abel just, was Cain just going through the motions and just doing what he was supposed to do? The offering plate came by, he put his bit in there. But God knew the heart. God, God honored one and he called out the other. Well, listen, some of you, you pray and you don't, you pray, praying so hard and, and it's not effective. You're serving God and it seems fruitless maybe. You're going through the motions, even your giving. Here's what God says. God says, listen, I honor the person. I honor the prayers. I honor the gift. I honor the service of the person whose heart's right with me. You can be charismatic. You can be a good singer. You can be a good speaker. You can give a lot of money, and none of that pleases God. What pleases God is when you and I come to him with a right heart and a pure heart. In our prayers, in our, our giving, in our service, is sacrificial, it's faithful, and it's true. You see, the life of faith is a life that God honors. Those are the prayers that He honors, that's the giving He honors, and that's the service He honors. Here's the third thing with this. When we live this life of faith, our very life is a praise to God. Not just what we do, but, but how we live. Verse 5 is a wonderful little verse. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Another strange story. Genesis chapter 5 is where this is found. Genesis 5. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Methuselah was the oldest dude ever. Do you know that? Dorman told me tonight, Dorman's somewhere, he's like 99. Methuselah was like 969 when he died. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Some of you thought you had kids late in life. <laughs> Through all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. How many of you have read that before? It's easy to read over that, isn't it? God took him. I think the key there, the great key there, this guy, by the way, was Noah's great-grandfather, is he said he walked with God. Walk with God is synonymous with walking the faith life. What does it mean to walk with God? It means to live for. It means to be close to. It means to continually follow someone or something. It's God here. By the way, did you know the most important thing you can do 
is to make a commitment. It's a faith commitment that you're going to be faithful and true and consistent with God day in and day out the rest of your life. He walked with God, we're going to see in a moment, and he was no more. Enoch probably lived the time when the world was starting to get really bad before Noah and the flood. And in the midst of a corrupt world, and when there wasn't a lot of peer support and a lot of good religious friends, God honors him because he says he was faithful He was consistent. Let me encourage some of you this evening. Man, you be faithful. You live for Jesus at work like you do at church. Some of us change, when we change clothes, our religion changes. You live for God at home like you do at church. Well, everybody around me acts one way. You be consistent for God regardless. That's that very life honors God. And when you please God, God will bless you is what the scriptures say. And folks, by the way, the harder it gets, the deeper you need to dig yourself in with Jesus. Let me give you one final big thought on this. Living the life of faith is the life of greatness and a great legacy. How can your life really matter How can your life matter after you're gone? Well, you please God. You please God while you're here. You let God honor your life. Let's look at verse 4 again. But Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice through which he was commended. God honored him as righteous. And God commended him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. You know, the first person that we're told in the Bible that pleased God was Abel. By the way, the first person who died was Abel. The first person who was murdered was Abel. And and it's neat, this guy who doesn't get a lot of play in the Bible, he's honored for one, one thing that we know of. He was faithful. His heart was right. He wasn't perfect, but he was faithful. And this is not going to comfort you, but you know, you live for God, and and there's a good chance you'll be persecuted. Now, in America, it may not be like it would be in Iran, but that people are going to make fun of you. In the years ahead, you may end up going to jail. We may have the government telling us what we can and cannot say, but you know what? Who cares? Let's be faithful. Abel was Listen, he said, he's been dead thousands of years, and we're talking about him tonight because he was a man who walked by faith and commitment to God the Father. You be faithful. And Enoch, what a great story. We don't know much about him. It says, by faith Enoch was taken up, that he should not see death, and he was not found. God taken him. Wow. My dad used to say that he wanted to be like Enoch. He wanted just to walk and then to be no more. He wanted to leave like that and he and he almost did he he was laying in bed talking to my mother and she turned over to cut the light off and he had a heart attack and died which probably was better honestly than him going out into the garden and disappearing (laughs) you know where's Enoch well you know we saw him walking in the woods and like a cloud came and pulled him up and he was gone I didn't want to lose my dad but I think the garden scenario might have been worse 
Literally, what that says was that he translated him to heaven. You know, we talk about translating something from English to Spanish, Spanish to English, whatever. That, that God translated Enoch from, from earth to heaven. He didn't die. Two people in the Old Testament didn't die, Elijah and Enoch. In fact, that's besides Jesus dying and coming back to life. Everybody else that's ever existed died. Why did this guy, why did this guy so thrill God that God must have said, you know what? I just want to rescue him from the world down here. I'm not even going to let him die. I'm just going to take him by the hand and bring him home so we can be face-to-face for eternity. You know why? It doesn't say because he was rich. It doesn't say because he was famous. It doesn't say because he could sing. It doesn't say because he was preach. It says that he had an intimate walk with God that so honored God that God couldn't wait to take him to heaven and put his arms around him. Isn't that wonderful? See, everything we're talking about tonight is within your grasp. If I was to ask you tonight, do you want to be great? And do you want to leave a legacy? If you were honest and normal, you would say, yes, I want to live a life of greatness. And I want to live a legacy. How do you do that? You get super rich, and when you die, you leave money to your church and to the colleges, and we name buildings after you. You're remembered for 50 to 75 years, right? That's true. I don't know how many of you are going to be able to do that, but I'm just telling you. Or you become a famous movie star. I don't see that in some of your futures, but maybe some of you. You go play in the NFL or the NBA. Again, I don't see that in many of the futures in this room this evening. But let me tell you a more plausible way to live a life of greatness and to leave your mark on eternity. We're talking about these two guys Thousands of years later, for, for just a few reasons, they knew God by faith, and their whole life centered around trusting Him and living for Him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. If you want to leave a great legacy, you want to leave a great mark, that's spelled out how we do it. So here's what I want to challenge you this evening. If you're not a Christian... It begins by faith. You need to come tonight. We give the invitation or after church and give your life to Jesus. You're here tonight. Maybe you'd like to join our church. You need, you need a church. You can do that when we sing in a moment or you can do that after church. Christian, listen to me for just a second. Hey, is your life really a great life? Are you leaving a legacy? If not, why not? Maybe where you're standing or maybe at the altar, you need to say to God, God, tonight, whether I got one more year here or 50, I want to trust you. I want to be faithful. I want to be intimate with you. God, I want to know you so well. The day I walk into heaven, it's going to be like God's going to look and say, I wish I'd have taken you 10 years earlier. It's your choice. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come.